We are walking through the, the book of Daniel, and um, before we do that, I was thinking the singing this morning, uh, the worship, <clears throat> we have uh, words that we sing, and, and many times they're words that our petition to the Lord, and um, I just want to be, you know, transparent with you on what's going on in my life. Um, I've been listening to a song by Jeremy Riddle called Temple, and he got that from the Bible, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you become the residence where God lives. Think about that. You don't have to go somewhere to meet with God. You carry him in your life. You are the temple of God's spirit. And so it says, here I am. I am your temple. Come and fill me with your glory, O my Lord. Purify all that's not holy till I reflect all your beauty, O my Lord. My soul longs for you. It longs for you, burns for your glory, O my Lord. My soul longs for you, longs for you. It burns for your glory, O my Lord. And it goes on, but that's the um, really the theme. So we're acknowledging that we, as followers of Christ, we are the temple of God's Spirit, and that because of that, Lord, we want you to continue to purify us because there is that residue that we carry with us by living in this broken world and purify all that's not holy till I reflect all your beauty. And that's our, that's my goal. I, I believe it's your goal as well, that we would become more and more like Jesus Christ, reflecting his character. And um, at the end of the day, when we stop breathing on this planet, we will be known as somebody that was a Christ follower and modeled him, not with perfection, but we modeled him well. Perfection will not happen until we get to heaven. So that's, a, that's just a good reminder. Um, as we get into the talk this morning, um, I'm, I kind of hit some of it last Sunday about the value and the importance of finishing well. And um, I have to work hard at that. I mean, I don't work hard. That's, a, that's probably the wrong language, but I, I am intentional about how I live my life, the decisions I make um, on creating good ground for God to work, you know. Um, and with any relationship, as you know, a human relationship, uh, it takes time. You have to invest in it. If you ignore that relationship, you'll start drifting, um, coasting, moving away. And so that's easy to do, man. In our world today, there's a lot of distractions hitting the fan, and so it's easy to lose perspective and forget about the goodness of the Lord, which we sang about this morning. Uh, he's running after me. Uh, Oh, anyway, he, the goodness of the Lord is running after me, and he's running after you. I think that's what we were singing, right? Pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, we, that, see, again, that's worship. It's a reminder of God's character. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, there we have it. All right, we're going we're gonna to jump in. Daniel chapter 1. And um, to begin with, going back in history in the um, uh, 1942, there were a group of college students that were attending the University of Munich in Germany, um, and they kind of formed a resistance group um, called the White Rose uh, resistance movement. Uh, that's what they called it. And it was a secret organization because they handpicked students that 
were like-minded, realizing that what was going on in Germany at the time, the Jews by 1942 had already been wearing the, the Star of David for three years. And word was getting out that um, the Nazis were eliminating the Jewish populace in these concentration camps. And Hans um, Scholl, a student in the university, uh, he and his sister Sophie were raised in a Christian home. And, and as usual, you know, when you put your faith in Christ... Uh, you don't want it to stay there. You want it to keep growing. And as they grew in their faith, they realized that not only did they have their sins forgiven and that they were residents of heaven to be, but what comes with putting your faith in Christ is a responsibility to make a difference in our culture. And that that kind of hit the fan. And so Hans was the instigator behind the White Rose Society. And... Um, you know, handpicking some college students along the way. Um, he purposely did not tell his sister Sophie. Sophie was a few years behind him in the university, but as she was hanging around, um, let's go to that next slide. So Sophie's in the middle. Her brother Hans is on the left, and and um, um, Christoph is on the right. And uh, you can see that... Um, Hans is in his military uniform, and of course, back in the day, um, growing up in that environment, um, Sophie was part of the League of German Girls, and her brother Hans was part of the Hitler Youth Organization. And so they were in the process of being brainwashed uh, into swearing a total allegiance to Hitler and um, his thoughts of running a country and really ruling the world. But again, as they were growing up and things started to be exposed in their country of what was going on behind the curtain, uh, Hans and Hans realized he had to do something about it to, to support the Jewish people in his nation, among other things. And so uh, when Sophie kind of <laughs> hung out with them, she had heard what was going on undercover, the, the white rose, and she says, I want to be part of that too. Um, I want my life to make a difference. And so um, uh, they began to um, write, publish, and distribute leaflets advocating passive resistance to Hitler's policies and for the eventual overthrow of National Socialism. Uh, I'll just put a footnote in there. Friends, in America right now, we are, we are in a battle for socialism. Socialism uh, slash communism, authoritarianism, where you have government ruling and reigning over its people and forcing them to live their lives in ways that they should not want to. Freedom, freedom is what we were birthed with in this country. We cut the cord from England and Britain. And um, when you see the white rose starting up in Germany under the same conditions, we're seeing that in America creep into our culture. Either you live for God or you live for government. Socialism, communism is when you live for government. And government rules and reigns your life. When you live for God, God gives you the liberty and the freedom to live your life in the way that's honoring to him. Is that right? I was starting to wonder if I was in the wrong audience here, man. Um, we had the National Day of Prayer on Thursday, and if you were here on Wednesday night, um, we, we did pray for America, and I, I am not ashamed to tell people I love America. I love America. I love our history. It's not a perfect history. There is, there is not a perfect history in any nation. You look at the history of Israel, friends, God's people. How about it? That is not a perfect nation either. 
But what I like about America, we recognize our mistakes and we seek to correct them, right? Right. And when you look at the history of America, you definitely see the hand of God and his involvement. And so, uh, to be honest with you, I, I believe the days that we're living in, we deserve God's judgment. Because when you read the Bible and you see how God judged Israel, we're right there. But we, as God's people, pray for God's mercy and his grace. We do. We believe there's a remnant in America. And... Um, just like Daniel living in Babylon, we have the opportunity to live in the timeline of history um, to represent Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Because there are a lot of people that are searching for answers. Quite honestly, life doesn't make sense, does it? And the reason being is we live in a broken world. Uh, sin has consequences and Unfortunately, sin impacts innocent people. So we, we press on and we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. I diverted. Well, I'm coming back. Hans and Sophie Scholl. We're going back to Germany. So um, they got a mimeograph machine. They started, you know, they would buy stamps in small numbers. They would, they would buy paper in small amounts at different locations because they didn't want to alert the government. Because in a government like that, they watch everything you buy, man. They track you. And so uh, they sent out these leaflets anonymously. They would drop them off at the universities. They would, would hand them out. And then on uh, February 1943... They decided to go to the University of Munich during class time. And uh, Hans had a suitcase loaded with leaflets. And Sophie had a, had a briefcase with leaflets. And before they decided to leave, she went up to the third floor, the atrium of the university. And she opened her briefcase and dumped them out. And you can see... The impact of that, those leaflets hitting slowly. When you drop paper, you notice it doesn't come right down like a rocket. Works its way down. And that's what happened. And in kind of like in slow motion, she was working her way down the staircase, and a janitor saw them, looked, picked up a copy, and called the Gestapo, and they were arrested. And... Um, Christoph, Sophie, and Hans were arrested, charged with treason. And in a matter of four days, they were accused, tried, and condemned. Look at the uh, courtroom here. Um, and they were condemned and executed within four days. Sophie was 21 years old. Hans was 24. And again... The conviction of these young people stirs my heart. Because when you look at Daniel, a teenager, and, and his three buddies, all teenagers that were committed to live for the Lord, and, and Hans and Sophie lived, growing up in a Christian home, and their faith became real to them, so real to the point that they were, they were fully aware that they would be tried for treason and executed. And they didn't care because they felt what they were doing was the right thing. Um, Sophie put it down in words like this. The real damage is done by those millions who want to survive. In other words, those who choose not to become engaged with their faith. The honest men who just want to be left in peace. Those who do, don't want their little lives disturbed by anything bigger than themselves. Those with no sides and no causes. Those who won't take measure of their own strength for fear of antagonizing their own weakness. Those who don't like to make waves or enemies. Those for whom freedom, honor, truth, and principles are only literature. Those who live small, die small. It's the reductionist approach to life. 
If you keep it small, you'll keep it under control. If you don't make any noise, the boogeyman won't find you. We're seeing that in America today as well. But it's all an illusion because they die too. Those people who roll up their spirits into tiny little balls so as to be safe. Safe. Safe from what? Life is always on the edge of death. Narrow streets lead to the same place as wide avenues. And a little candle burns itself out just like a flaming torch does. I choose my own way to burn. Well, Sophie's courage, and you, you can feel uh, the courage that she carried, uh, it disturbed her prison captors. They, they were shaken by how peaceful she was on the brink of being executed. And they relaxed the rules, and they allowed her parents to come and spend some minutes with Hans and her. And even in the face of death, one of the guards recalled, they bore themselves with marvelous bravery. How can you do that, friend, knowing that you're going to be executed within days or hours and be at peace with that? When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you know this is not the end, right? We go from earth to heaven to be with the Lord. There's no middle ground. It's... From here to there. And she had that confidence. Just before being executed by the guillotine, Sophie's mother looked into Sophie's eyes and she said, Remember Jesus, Sophie. And Sophie replied, And yes, you too, Mama. And her father, speaking to Hans and Sophie, said, I'm proud of you both. And Sophie had a cellmate, Elsie Gable in her same prison cell. Elsie survived the war, and she wrote letters to Sophie's parents explaining the final days before her execution, and she said, your daughter was not horrified of her impending death. In fact, the day that she was going to be executed, she looked through the small cell window and said, how can we expect righteousness to prevail when there is hardly anyone willing to give themselves up individually to a righteous cause? Such a fine sunny day I have to go. But what does my death matter if through us thousands of people are awakened and stirred to action? You see, she was thinking that she and her brother would lay their lives down freely, that there would be an awakening within Germany to get involved in rescuing the Jews and fighting for freedom. It didn't happen. It was only a small group of people in that country that continued to resist. The executioner would later tell in an interview that Sophie went without the flicker of an eyelash. None of us understood how that was possible. I have never seen anyone meet their end as she did. And Sophie's last words before she died, she said, The sun still shines and God, you are my refuge. Parents, I want to just hit, talk to you for a moment here. Um, John Stone Street, Brett Kunkel. John Stone Street is part of Breakpoint uh, Ministry. Chuck Colson founded that years ago. They wrote a book a few years ago called A Practical Guide to Culture. You may want to pick that book up. It's called A Practical Guide to Culture. It um, explains how we can ground our students in the biblical story and empower them to chase the world with biblical clarity. It's a practical manual to equip young people to rise above the culture. So we know Hans and Sophie experienced that with their parents. They trained them to stand alone. Daniel was trained to stand alone. And friends, your children need to learn to stand alone. Likewise, in this culture, God called Sophie and Hans at that particular time in German history, and they realized not only were they citizens of Germany, but they were citizens of heaven. And they realized the responsibility to love and to act with their faith. Hans put it this way, telling a friend, should one 
go off and build a little house with flowers outside the windows and a garden outside the door and extol and thank God and turn one's back on the world and its filth? Isn't seclusion a form of treachery, of desertion? I'm weak and puny, but I want to do what is right. What a call, huh? What a call. The Shoal siblings refused to flee their culture. And there are many today that are tempted to do that, to seek safe shelter for themselves and their children. But safety is never a goal for a Christ follower. Faithfulness is. You see, Jesus didn't go into hiding when he walked this earth, did he? He went out into the public arena and he was hated by the religious community. Fully aware of it. And he put his life down on purpose because of his love for you and me. And so, this morning, we need the courage like Sophie Scholl and a commitment that comes from understanding that we are called by God to this time and this place on purpose. You are living in 2023 on purpose to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Think about that. Is that a privilege or what? (laughs) It sure is. It sure is. So Jesus promised that life in him would not always be easy. In this world, you will have trouble, he promised. But the hard times we face always have a purpose, and that's he chisels us into stronger, more impactful followers of his. He's always chiseling if we let him. So let's go to Daniel chapter 1. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. And so Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. In verse 8, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. And Father, we thank you for your word And we thank you, Lord, over history we have seen individuals who call themselves followers of Christ willing to put their life on the line to represent you well. And Lord, we realize that it's easy to live in fear. It's easy to close the door and hide behind the curtain, hoping that evil will not touch us. But God... You empower us. You live with us. You, like Daniel, allowed him to thrive in a broken culture. And Lord, it is your will, it is your purpose that we as followers of Christ in 2023 would model the life of Jesus well to represent him and be the light of Christ wherever we go. Lord, may we take it seriously, this responsibility that you've given to us. And we depend on you fully, Lord, because we need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we talked about this world, this life that we're living in is tangible. You can see it, you can touch it. But the world that we don't see, the invisible, that's the eternal world. That's why we need God to help us to, what we see right now, right here and now, we, we just tell ourselves, this is not going to last forever. This is temporary. But we who put our faith in Jesus Christ, that is what is eternal. And in 2 Corinthians 4, we read, so we're not giving up. How could we, even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. 
These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Is that right? That's right. That's true. That's a true statement. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. And Psalm 3115, my future is in your hands. That's a great place for you and I to place our lives, put them in God's hands. And we realize that our future is in great care, the care of Almighty God. So, flares in the air. There's flares in the air, friends, right now, in your world and my world. And they're going off daily. It's a reminder What you see, it's here today and gone tomorrow. It's time to invest in the eternal. It's time to make an investment in your relationship with the Lord to pursue him consistently. Two, God did it. We see in Daniel 1 and 2, we talked about it. Israel had for 23 years rejected God speaking to them to return to the one true God. And they kept saying, no, no, no. And so God finally said, it's time. And he allowed King Nebuchadnezzar, the the world power of the day, to come invade the city of Jerusalem. God allowed that to happen. The Lord gave him victory. Those things we sometimes have problems understanding, but God is sovereign. God is powerful. God is in control, and that's what we'll remind ourselves. Number three, surrounded by evil, the king ordered Ashpenaz, bringing Daniel and his three buddies back to Babylon, 900 miles away from their home in Jerusalem, taking him from their parents, relatives, friends. What are you going to do? How are you going to live your life? Well, Daniel purposed. He was intentional that even though he was surrounded by evil in Babylon, he would not compromise. The way they tried to compromise these young men was brainwashing them. You can see it in verse 4. They experienced the buffet in Babylon. And how about it, man? Teenagers love to eat. What a temptation that would have been, right? (laughs) It didn't work. Identity theft, man, changing their names, trying to make them forget their past, their heritage. They were living in Babylon, so they should become like Babylon. Daniel said, no way. That leads us to number four, must have a core. And uh, we're going to hang out here for a few moments. Verse 8, Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Daniel is saying, I'm, I'm not going to conform. And this is an, you want to circle that word determined. That word determined means he made up his mind. I believe part of the problem with Christianity in America today is it's showing surveys, statistics are showing that people that call themselves Christians are not reading their Bibles consistently. Therefore, the world, the culture's influence has crept into their core values. Because they have not determined to live for the Lord fully. They're a, it's a part-time Christian mindset. Y'all go to church on Sunday occasionally, you know. I'll pick up my Bible whenever I feel like it, when I feel the need to read it. Listen, that kind of mindset, you're going to get run over by this culture today. You cannot afford to live like that if you want to live for the Lord. Right? That's right. That's right. You don't have to think about that. That should be an emphatic right. What is going on in our culture today? where you have 57% of Christians don't believe in literal truth anymore. 
the truth. How can you stand like Sophie and Hans and stand like Daniel if you don't have truth in your core? That's why Daniel made up his mind. He determined. He spent some time with it. He made up his mind. He drew a line in the sand that he would not be conformed into the image of Babylon. And Daniel's choice began with an inward conviction for which we're grateful. Daniel's choice will determine what kind of man he would be for the rest of his life. We know we start building habits. And once we get into a habit, a ritual, you could call it, it's a rhythm of life. And Daniel had that rhythm of life of living for the Lord and honoring him. And, it's, and we, we build that core within us by making decisions honoring to the Lord. It, it, it's building that foundation. It's a decision, the choices. How many choices do you think the average human being makes in a day? Well, you could Google it. You don't have to Google it now. Because I'll give you the answer. It's 350,000 decisions you make throughout every single day. They're conscious decisions. So, you've heard me say it before, when you are committed to this rhythm of living for the Lord, you don't have to make the decision, should I read my Bible or not today? See, you've already made it. It's a rhythm. And so what are you doing? You've eliminated, you're down to 349,000 decisions for the day. See it? Isn't that good? It's liberating, man. So, yeah, that, that can help. In Daniel, Daniel, um, it wasn't like, how can I get out of this culture? How can I get out? How can I survive? Daniel said, what can I get out of this? See, not how can I get out of this, but what can I get? And God, help me take the environment that you've allowed me to be put in and make something good come out of it. See, what can I get out of it? That's honoring to the Lord. And that word defile means to corrupt, to pollute, to contaminate. Now, check out this this boat. Um, (laughs) How much water does it take to sink a boat? You know, and you think... Man, when you go out into the ocean, how much water, with a percentage of that, would it take to sink that boat? Well, we're going to keep it simple this, this morning. It's the amount of water that it would take to fill that boat. That's how much it would take to sink it. So when you look at a percentage of the lake, the ocean, it's really a small percentage that would sink that boat, Right? And so we look back at the contamination. Daniel's saying this drip of our culture dripping into our lives, our mindset, the way we think, the decisions we make over time. Daniel is saying he didn't want to defile himself to corrupt, to pollute, to contaminate himself. So how much of the world do you need to sink spiritually? Just enough to fill your body. And that's not much really. It's the continuous dripping that creeps in where compromise shows up. And our core values are no longer honoring to the Lord. So we take a look at Daniel. How did he respond to this order that was given to him? He would not defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. So he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Um, Notice Daniel didn't pick it or protest. Check this out. (laughs) Um, What's going on here? They're, They're protesting by singing. There's a story behind the picture. And this is a, a, um, It's a non-threatening way of protest. And they're singing to their heart's content to try to make their point. Daniel did not pick it. He didn't protest. 
He simply asked permission to not eat this food to defile himself. This is something that you and I need to learn well, and we'll get more into it in a few moments. So why? Why did Daniel say, no, number one, it wasn't kosher food? God gave the Jews, and the Jews alone, a strict dietary diet. We call those kosher laws, and you can see, um, doesn't that look good? (laughs) God did this because he said, I want you to never forget that you are uniquely different from everybody else. In other words, every time you sit down to eat, you're not eating food everybody else in the world eats. Your diet is exclusive because of who you are. You don't get to eat like the rest of the world. That's what God was saying. Not because God thought the Jews were better, that wasn't his point, but God chose them to be a conduit of God's character to the world. You're my people. You're going to model that relationship with me to the world. And so by your diet, your menu, it's going to be a daily reminder that you are different from everybody else. So God was saying, you're never to forget that you're unique from all the other nations. And you're going to eat different than everybody else. So God said it. Number two, the other reason why Daniel said no, the Babylonians didn't drain the blood from the meat. In Leviticus 17, verse 10, it says, If any native Israelite or foreigner living among you eats and drinks blood in any form, I will turn against that person and cut him off from the community of your people. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. Isn't that interesting? It's the blood of the lamb. The forgiveness of sin. We see that in the New New Testament, the New Covenant. Jesus shed his blood. Without the shedding of his blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood, neither you nor the foreigners living among you. God said it. And so Daniel realized, can't do it. And third, the Babylonians would take their food and present it to their idols, their false gods, before they would actually eat it. They would ask the idols to bless their food. Very similar to how you and I, we pause before we eat our meals and we thank the Lord for his provision for that meal, right? We recognize that that food came from God. And the Babylonians did the same thing, saying it was their idols that provided that food. And so they asked the idols to bless it before they ate it. And um, many, many in our culture today would say, you know, you're living in Babylon. What's the big deal? You're living in Babylon. Live like a Babylonian. You do what they do. Well, friends, we don't want to be like a chameleon here. You know, we change color in the environment that we're in. And once again, too many followers of Christ find it easy to compromise their convictions depending on who they're with at a specific time and place. They change their spiritual colors, so to speak. And Daniel would have nothing to do with that. Because who would know, who would know, Daniel's 900 miles away from Jerusalem, he's away from his parents, all the authorities that he was raised with, who would know if he compromised? There were a lot of excuses that Daniel could use, but he chose not to. The enemy, the enemy, we talked about this last Sunday, there's a target on every single one of us. There is a spiritual battle raging For your attention. And the enemy would like to use all kinds of enticements to pull you away from God's plan and to tame you spiritually. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to tame you like this. You're a lion. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. You're like a lion out there. 
that God is using you to impact your culture. And the enemy wants to tame you, man. He wants to take the teeth out of your bite and allow compromise to make the difference. So what happens? Daniel passed this test, and he shows us how and the ingredients we need to have a godly core. Don't you, don't you need a godly core today? I do. I need it. I need that example. And so, first of all, integrity. Daniel never forgot who he was. Daniel had integrity. And he wasn't willing to put it on the line. He said, you can change my address. I live in Babylon. I get it. You can change my clothing. You can change my name. But you're not going to change my heart. It's not going to happen. And so Daniel was determined. He made up his mind that he would not defile himself. He's saying, I'm not going to be conformed to Babylon's culture. This is who I am at my core. I love God. And I'm going to protect that relationship. And Daniel's integrity stood firm. He never forgot who he was. In Romans 12, 2, the Philip says, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves toward the goal of your true maturity. Isn't that good? Man, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Daniel took that literally. He didn't let that happen. You and I have two choices we can make in life. You can be conformed or you can be transformed. You can be conformed into our culture or you can allow God to transform you into the image of Jesus Christ. We get to make that decision. And Daniel showed that he wanted to be transformed even in a broken culture in Babylon. He didn't forget who he was. And that's where I believe it's important to realize your identity in Christ, who you are, how God sees you. God sees you as his son and daughter. God has adopted you into his family. God has made you co-heirs with Jesus Christ. God has kept an inheritance waiting for you in heaven. You see, that's your core value. That's your identity. I'm a child of God. I am a man of God. I am a woman of God. When you know that identity, it helps with your convictions. So what defiles you? Daniel said he would not be defiled by what the king wanted to do. What can pollute, corrupt, contaminate us? Well, we know there's movies, television, websites, places you go, relationships that you're involved in. And the question is, are you giving the enemy, the devil, a foothold in your life by these compromises? Ephesians four twenty-seven: for anger gives a foothold to the devil, amongst other things. Paul is saying you can give the devil, a foothold in your life. You can give him ground. You can give him a beachhead. So we have to be intentional in not allowing that to happen. Number two, discipline. Daniel controlled his ego and appetite. Verse eight, Daniel was determined not to defile himself. We see tremendous self-discipline in Daniel as a teenager. It's incredible. You could call it delayed gratification, self-discipline. Here's a 15-year-old taken forcefully out of his country, away from everything that he was known for, never seeing his parents again in a foreign country, anti-God culture. The most powerful man in the world offers you this tremendous food. (laughs) And a teenager says, nope, I'm not going to defile myself. Daniel realized that it was God. God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come into Jerusalem. God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to take Daniel back to Babylon. He realized that God had him in Babylon for a purpose. But he was not going to compromise his core values. He was going to let God use him for his honor and glory. Incredible maturity for a 15-year-old, wouldn't you say? That decision was made by Daniel, a teenager. I want to be used by God in this world. 
And man, I'd like to encourage all the young people today, man, to put that down in your core. I want to live for God in this world. I want God to use me in this world for his honor and glory. And of course, we as adults, we echo that as well. Because we never get too old to stop saying that and submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ. Third, courage. Daniel had courage. He was willing to stand alone. He took, it took a lot of courage for Daniel to ask the most powerful man in the world if he, if he didn't have to eat that food, which was really an insult to the king. And uh, what made it more challenging was um, he wasn't the only Jewish boy in his program. Yeah, he had three other friends that went along with him that echoed his convictions. But there were other Jewish young men that did compromise, that did eat the king's food. They said yes. And Daniel could have easily said, you know what? Everybody else from my country is eating the food, so I get to eat it too. But Daniel said, no, I don't care if the whole world does it. If it's not right, I'm not going to do it. That takes courage. Exodus 23, 2, you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. We need people of God to live like that. Kenny Luck, Christian author, speaker, put it this way, it's men who name the name of Jesus and have a heart for him. They must grow a spine for him. There is nothing more pathetic than a Christian man who has a heart for God but no spine. Friends, Daniel had a spine. It takes a spine to go against the culture of our day. In Proverbs 28, 1, it says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Uh, Years ago, when our first four children were young, we would... um, use the Bible, and make it fun to learn. And this verse, Proverbs 28, 1, it said, but the, but the righteous are as bold as lions. And so we made up a song. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Pretty cool, huh? You're thinking, how... I've never heard that on the radio. I never did either. But see, that's a way that you can take God's word and put it into your children. The righteous are as bold as a lion. We had fun with it. But it's true. It's true. The righteous, the godly are as bold as a lion. You saw the lion up there before, man. He's getting his teeth taken out. Not good, not good. We need, to stay, we need to stay bold and live for the Lord boldly. Don't be swayed to compromise. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Don't be swayed to compromise. Mm-hmm. That's not what the verse says. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. That's a good challenge for us this morning. So, number four, humility. That's another core value that we need to model. Daniel respected authority. He asked the chief of staff for permission. When Daniel couldn't do what the authority asked him to do, what does he do? I can't do this. It's against my core values, but can I do something else? He asked permission. He made an appeal. And friends, as parents today, we need to train our children to use an appeal. If something's going against your core values, you don't protest and scream and holler and say, don't you know who I am? No, you make an appeal with humility. That's honoring to the Lord. You're trusting the Lord to make the difference in that. And so today, here we are. Daniel did it well. 
Model the ingredients for a godly core, integrity, discipline, courage, and humility. And you and I have that same opportunity to do that in our world. Shall we do it? Let's do it well. Let's honor the Lord well. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the model that Daniel gave us. We thank you even going back in history with Hans and Sophie Scholl and how they were committed to doing what was right even though it cost them their lives. And we look at Daniel, how he was willing to say no to the king, putting his life on the line, because he did not, he made up his mind not to defile himself. Lord, will you help us as your people this morning to have core values that honor you? Help us, Lord, to read your word faithfully, consistently. Help us to spend time talking to you and listening to you, Lord, consistently. So that's where we get our core values from. It's from your word. We see you. We see your character. That's where we get our core values, a true picture of who God is. So, Lord, we thank you for the privilege that you've given to us to be alive in 2023 in a world that is falling apart, where we can stand firm and model Jesus Christ, model him well. Why? Because you're living in us. We are your temple where you reside. So, Lord, we thank you for the privilege, and we pause. Is there compromise? Have we compromised? Have we defiled ourselves by decisions and choices we're making even right now? What is it, Lord, that you want to do in our lives? The changes that you want us to make? We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes to you. We are grateful for the the great love of God that has been demonstrated to us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for drifting, for compromising, for defiling ourselves from you. We want to live for you. We want to be all in for you, Lord. And we thank you that it's you living in and through us that gives us that power to do that very thing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.